see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we advance uh, towards uh, Easter during this time of Lent, the Church offers us different varieties of readings to help us prepare, to help us do penance, to help us pray. Today we have a passage in the first reading from the great prophet Isaiah, who offered the people an an oracle calling back to the days of the exile, offering the possibility that eventually they would return to Judah after Cyrus had issued a decree of repatriation in 539 BC that they would come back. He's kind of in this oracle calling them back, like calling them back to conversion, to repentance, and to take advantage of the gifts, the great gifts of God. This oracle was originally meant for the Jews in Babylon, but also it applies to us. It's an invitation to come back, to return to the riches of the new covenant sealed in our Lord's blood. And then he proposes, as he often does, this beautiful imagery of God's grace described both as rain coming down and as snow, even as snow. He says, And as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and return no more hither, but soak the earth and water it and make it, make it to spring and give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be, which shall go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall do whatsoever I please and shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. Just rain comes down and it soaks the earth and produces this immense harvest. The same way grace comes down. The Lord now brings down His grace. He sends down His grace to us during this time of Lent in the different ways in which we can receive it. And whatever mortifications, whatever abstinence we live now during this time of Lent, whatever we have denied ourselves will, will not remain unfruitful. And we ask people, so what have you offered for Lent? And people say, well, I'm... Um, decide to forego Instagram. You know, and, uh, well, that will not remain unfruitful. Something will happen. And, well, if we think of rain and snow, well, we don't think of it as something particularly 
pleasant. We say there's going to be lots of snow. Okay, well, get ready. But the people living in those countries, in those arid countries of the East, it was something deeply desired. Rain, and well, I don't know how often they got snow, but uh, rain was always something deeply refreshing. It had a great appeal of renewal for the land, this dry, parched land, hot. To receive rain was, was uh, a real refreshment for their lives. Years ago, I remember hearing a story in the news about an elderly man who had fallen into some kind of cavern or some kind of pit in the ground, and it had been covered up. He, I think he passed out, and then when he woke up, it was all covered over by some, I don't know, some kind of construction piece of some kind. And there he was, underneath, trapped in this dark and dingy hole. And he was there, really, literally for days until somebody finally realized that he was down there and, and opened it up and got him out. And when the news media interviewed him, he said he survived because he made a little piece of cloth, like a clump of cloth, like I think using a sock or something like that, and he managed to reach up to the opening of the hole, but it was only a small little opening, and when it rained, he would soak the sock in water, and then he would bring it to his mouth. He said, that's how I survived, just the little bits of, of water that were in that cloth that he dabbed in the water. And that's what allowed him to survive. And, and that's how, of course, essential water is for us. We could do without food for a while. But in the same way, how essential grace is for, for us. And now it's not just being dabbed into us. It's, 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 being, it's like a torrential rain that the Lord is offering us during this time of, of Lent. We need water to survive. We need food to be stronger. We need your grace, Lord, during this time. And indeed, uh, Jesus himself speaks about the will of God being like his food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And we, we know that during this time of Lent, as we think about the grace that the Lord is going to grant us and this desire we have for conversion, for inner growth, Sometimes we hear inner healing. We know it has something to do with deepening our access and our embracing of God's will in our life, both in the daily affairs of life, but also in the greater perspective, really loving God's will, knowing God's will, loving it, embracing it, God's design for us. All that, we cannot really know it or really embrace it without that fundamental feature of Lent, which is prayer. Being truly men of prayer. Being contemplatives, as we often say, in the middle of the world. Even if we find ourselves in a kind of a, a pit. We need that prayer. And the Lord today in, in the Gospel reminds us of the danger that our prayer could just be sort of superficial could end up being just, as he describes here, like the babbling of pagans. It's an interesting image. He says, in your prayer, do not babble as the pagans do, for they think that by using many words, they will make themselves heard. The babbling. Do not be like them. 
Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So you should pray like this. He gives us the Our Father who art in heaven. May your name be held holy. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The prayer that we say every day. The prayer of the Our Father. Asking for his will to be done. He's, he's going against perhaps what was common at the time, forms of pagan prayer. I mean, he was not addressing here atheists. He was addressing the Jews who believed in God but had lost a, a deeper sense of what kind of prayer they ought to offer to God, their Father. And uh, we do, we pray every day. We're not atheists, obviously, so every day we say the rosary, we, we have our acts of piety. But am I really responding to God's grace that is falling down on me like rain, like dew? Am I really praying as a son? The Lord gave us the Our Father, which is the prayer of a son. Like our father, who we spoke about the, the Abba, father, in the streetcar, when he was in a difficult moment and, and he, he received that rain, that grace. It was, a, it was like a depressing moment in his life and suddenly like it, it welled up within him. It was a great grace that he received. It was like a torrential downpour which led him to say Abba, Father, and led him, as you know, to deepen his sense of divine filiation. It was as almost as though the Abba, Father, was an articulation of the Our Father that he already had been praying. It's a, it's a tender form of the word father in Aramaic. It is said tenderly. It is said confidently, like a child who asks his father a million questions. You know, children ask all kinds of questions. They have no experience of life, so they want to know why certain things are the way they are. And our father played that role of the child, asking his father. Not everybody has the experience of, of being a child with a, a tender, loving father. People are left with a father that has been absent, a father that has left them with wounds that didn't care for them. A guy told me that his father never seemed to take interest in him, never spoke to him about anything that was intimate or tender. He was trying to remember, has my father ever spoken to me about something important and, and tender? You could say, I like that word, tender. And he couldn't remember. His, his father had long passed away, but, uh, and he was left with that absence. He was left with a, a form of self-doubt and wondering if he was ever really loved. Because the, his father never had that conversation with him. And so he had a gaping wound, but discovered that that wound could be healed in divine filiation. But that, that is that, that we all do have a tender, loving father who loves us beyond all measure and grants us his grace, the dew that descends upon us and will return to him through through divine filiation, through a sense of divine filiation. Isaiah said, my, that's the way my word will be, which goes forth from my mouth, so it shall return to me. 
not void. And word comes down, and he says, uh, it comes down, but it has to come up, not void. If it comes up void, I would, I would think that the God granting us the grace and our response being void would be a response that in some way would lack that deep sense of filiation. It would just be the mechanics of a prayer that is babbling like the, like the pagans, like our, our Lord said. We can imagine now in our prayer, imagine how God's heart is touched is warmed when we speak lovingly to him as our father. Even when we fail to feel anything special in our prayer, when we're dry, when we're like that dry earth, parched, and we don't have any like feeling. Because it's precisely in our dryness that our prayer teaches us the true heights of love and the depths of our faith. We exercise our faith. And if we are distracted in our prayer, if we're somehow aloof, if we're somehow just reading a text that we have, a good, good text, no doubt, but if we're just reading, and we're not really tapping into this uh, divine paternity, this Abba, this Father that our, our Father experienced in the streetcar, maybe... Is it possible we maybe need to spend more time disclosing ourselves, opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit to give the time to the Spirit to manifest Himself and to kind of synchronize ourselves with Him? Maybe we have to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will do that like work of synchronization. You know, like, you know, sometimes you're, you've got an email on your phone and there's a picture or something and you tap it, and it's, it's synchronized. You don't see the photo, right? You know, it's just like twirling. It's this whatever downloading image, like I'm downloading, it's not there yet, and you really want to see the picture, and if you have low bandwidth, and, and uh, it's just spinning. But we can't see it yet. Maybe in our prayer we're kind of spinning like that. We're not really downloading the truth of our divine filiation sometimes. But the Holy Spirit will do that. He will synchronize us with God the Father. And the Lord began that process in the prayer of the Our Father. And as you know, the, the whole last part of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, part four, is dedicated to prayer and the whole meaning of every single line of the Our Father. It's a, it's a beautiful section. We often stop at the sort of doctrinal or moral section or section on the sacraments but the Our Father may sometimes be left behind but it's it's a beautiful section and of course when the Lord spoke to the apostles he was not addressing atheists but men who sought to please God but had perhaps got lost in the externals that's why he says do not babble like the pagans they think that they're they say a lot of things that they will be heard it's as though we are happy sometimes with the externals. And maybe the Lord saw that the apostles themselves had somehow imitated the pagans that were around them, who believed in, 
in divine intervention, but perhaps more on a human scale, that God would help them, would ward off some dangers, if they positioned themselves properly, if they acted in a certain way, spoke in a certain way, if they, if they, if they say these words in this order, if, especially if they repeated the words frequently, but it's as though the Lord was trying to integrate within him, within them and, and synchronize within them this sense of filiation. Pope Francis has said that today our challenge is not so much atheism as the need to respond adequately to, the, to many people's thirst for God. And perhaps we understand that, many people's thirst for God, but maybe it's also many people's thirst for God the Father, that is, a thirst for a sense of filiation to the Father, that they may be synchronized with God the Father. And this thirst really can only be slaked in prayer because the, the root of prayer is a divine and not a human activity. And during Lent, we have to deepen in this divine activity. It's our response to God, a God who reaches out, who sends down His grace, who sends down His love. And we respond, a God who, who without waiting around, just comes down looking for us. If only we could open a door and let God into our life. And it's, a, it's an important task, you know, the, to help people to pray. Teaching people to pray is not exactly like a, like a set of rules or, or protocols, passing on a set of skills, showing them how to do the morning offering. It's not a series of techniques. It's true that some, I suppose some may be required. We make the sign of the cross. We, we begin like that. We maybe take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. In through your nose and out through your mouth. As they say, you know? A few times you begin your prayer like that. And that, well, it's a technique, I suppose, but, but it just like prepares you. It calms you. Well, it calms you and therefore prepares you. Just a deep breath. You know, you deep breathely. But you could do that for any activity, any form of concentration that you need to do. It's like a, it's a preparatory activity. And uh, for us, it's a preparatory activity for our encounter with God. It's not important what we do, but what God will do. We just need to, to open that door. And uh, And many people... I've really lost uh, that that ability to open the door, and with God's grace, as the as Isaiah says, it's like rain that is going to come down and water us and make us fruitful. We can ask uh, the Lord now to really make that a better commitment there, therefore, to that time of prayer. Although the commitment itself is not enough, we have to learn the art. You have to learn how to say Abba in a way that will be fruitful. I mean, imagine how fruitful that Abba was for our father if it was in some way at the root of his sense of divine filiation that moment. It was because he received a tremendous grace, but he also responded to it. 
and he kept coming back to it. And we now have inherited that grace, that, that moment of grace. We have inherited, we are the ones who are the continuators of that, and we too have that responsibility to teach, really teach others to pray. Teach them to pray. To open the door to God's grace. Perhaps you recall a few years ago at the Oscars there was a movie, a fiction thriller called Gravity. Gravity. With Sandra Bullock. And uh, she plays an astronaut who's somehow... I don't remember the exact story, but she's somehow lost in space, literally lost in space. No, but she's in a, she's in like, like in a, in a, a capsule, an American capsule that the the project gets aborted, and she somehow ends up uh, in a, in a Chinese uh, space capsule of some kind. Right? And it's a lot of beautiful imagery, you know, CGI and all that. You really think like you're you're floating around in space, and she manages to save herself by going into this international space station of some kind of the Chinese. And uh, somehow she begins to realize that there's only so much oxygen here and she's going to die. She is going to die. She foresees this. And, and as she's thinking about the fact that she's about to die within, I don't know, whatever, an hour or something, uh, she thinks about her daughter, her five-year-old daughter, who had died tragically in a playground accident. And she wonders if she will meet her daughter once she dies. She doesn't know. You know? And then... Somehow, as the movie goes on, she figures out that she can go to another space station somehow, and she ends up in a Russian space station, and there, as she's again realizing that she will die, there's an image of St. Christopher, the famous uh, companion of travelers. He's like on the dashboard or something, and she says a tremendous line. She says, No one will mourn for me. No one will pray for me, for my soul, because I have never prayed. Nobody has taught me how. And it's, it's a tremendous line that she's, Nobody, nobody's taught me how to pray. I don't know. And she, she's just right there facing death. And I wonder, I've always wondered how many people watching that movie, watching Sarah Bullock there amidst all this wonderful CGI of space and the planets, would have said the same thing. Nobody has told me. Nobody has explained to me how to pray. And more and more people today are like that astronaut, like Sandra Bullock. Nobody's taught them. And we ask our Blessed Mother also now to help us and to teach others to pray, to open that door. But we have to, we have to begin. We have to be in some way you know, active contemplatives in the middle of the world asking for that grace. Maybe just somebody seeing us pray, seeing us here in the oratory, kneeling, can be the, beginning, the first step. You know, you've all heard that story of uh, Jean-Baptiste Chotard, the, the famous uh, French author who wrote uh, The Soul of the Apostle. But he was like an agnostic, uh, non-believing, really, uh, student in sometime in the beginning of the 20th century in Paris, and uh, he'd come from Switzerland or something, and he was just studying economics. And, you know, he was a, a complete sort of non-practicing guy. And as he was on the campus, he saw in the distance, he saw a priest praying his breviary. 
Bruce had no idea that he was watching him, and he said, he suddenly, just upon seeing that, this was like a revelation. Just one look, it was like a revelation to him. As though the whole church were encapsulated there in this one man in dialogue with God, his creator. And that moment was a tremendous moment of grace, like rain showering down upon Jean-Baptiste Chotard. It was like uh, an infusion of rain, of refreshing rain. It completely changed, changed him. He later on became a Trappist and became the head of a, a big monastery somewhere, in, I think in Belgium or someplace. And he wrote that famous book, Soul of the Apostle. And the soul of the Apostle is that we be men of prayer. And it all began with that just seeing one guy there. And that guy had no idea. So we, we asked for this now that this, this fire be ignited, as our father said, you know, in the way he spoke about a fire, so that we avoid all uh, lukewarmness, eh, all kind of flat line in our life. Our Blessed Mother will help us eh, as we continue our journey through Lent. Mm-hmm.